Melissa Bonsack and welcome to episode 60 of Books Cubed. It is Thursday, April 16th, 2020, and I'm going to read to you today. I have a new book out, How to Square Your Grouper. I'm really excited about it, and I'm going to read you what the description is. It is gorgeous. It's on pre-order. It comes out May 12th, 2020. So you have time to read the first book in the series if you want to, and I'll have links to all that stuff. So this one is called How to Square Your Grouper, and let me read the description. Gifts from strangers are never good especially when they're big bundles of drugs. June Nash is back in Key West on vacation and not at all hiding out from her famous brother's crazy fans, the Doozers. It's been a tough couple of months and she just wants a little peace and quiet. But life doesn't work that way in June's world. Drug runners have mistaken her for their contact and she ends up with a sailboat full of square groupers, which the Coast Guard immediately takes off her hands. So she's in the clear, right? Not even a little. Now she's dodging bullets from rival drug runners as she tries to escape her mom's attempt to bond and Morgan's obsessive need to figure out why someone from their past has followed her to Key West. How do you go from sipping rum one minute to running for your life the next? With June, it's just another Tuesday. So let's jump right in and I will see you after. I was hung over and on a boat. That much I knew without opening my eyes. I could feel the deck sway below me, and a light breeze scented with salt and decaying fish guts was spritzing my face with drops of ocean. Somebody close by was fishing. I needed to sit up so I could call them over and puke on them. I peeled open an eye, lifted my sunglasses, and squinted at the black blob that hung in the air just above my face. Ew. Nobody was fishing. A greyhound was breathing on me. The blob bounced on the end of its muzzle and a fat, wet drop of nose juice slid off the tip, splashing on my cheek. Blast. There was only one person I knew who ran with a greyhound. Morgan, I croaked. My throat was scratchy and my tongue felt like it was wrapped in sticky layers of cotton. June, you're alive. A pair of neon green swim fins slapped into view. I opened my other eye and lifted my head. There was Morgan, my brother's best friend, and until recently, my arch nemesis. He was wearing a black diving suit, unzipped at the chest. Those abs still look rock solid for such a skinny guy. And holding a mask in one hand and a funny-looking backpack in the other. His wiry brown hair was back to normal and sticking out in every possible direction. A few weeks ago, I'd nearly scalped him with a jumper cable clamp resulting in a partially shaved head and a whole lot of stitches. In my defense, I'd been stuffed in a trunk of a car and had mistaken him for the crackpot who'd kidnapped me. In the end, he'd been a good sport about me trying to kill him. I was about to give up on you for the day, Morgan said. Just past him, I could make out my reflection in the sailboat's white fiberglass hull. Blast. My thick black hair, normally controlled in a long ponytail, was loose, and thanks to a healthy dose of salty sea air, had achieved frizzing heights I'd never dreamed possible. I propped myself up on my elbows, fought the urge to spill my guts, and realized I was wearing a teeny, tiny bikini. I stared down in horror at all my exposed flesh. Am I wearing sunscreen? Of course, Morgan said. I let out a little sigh of relief. Thanks to a chunk of Greek my misplaced father had grafted onto my family tree, I didn't burn as easily as my red-headed, lily-white mom. Still, 
I didn't want to end up with leather for skin in 30 years. I put it on you myself, Morgan added. And the horror returned. I did not want him touching my... Wait, what was Morgan doing here? He was the reason I'd come to Key West. Thanks to a recent mishap that was all his fault, I'd become a reluctant YouTube star, and I was currently on vacation and not at all hiding out. What are you doing here? I asked him. He got a canister labeled CO2 from a nearby storage bin and began to hook it into a backpack. You invited us. That didn't sound like me. You called and said I should get my butt down here pronto and to bring Cyrano. The greyhound let out a whiny little roo and a drop of nose juice hit my shoulder. Then I heard you shout something about Zacapa, he continued, and the line went dead. Blast. That sounded like me. When some people drink, they get silly. Some get mean. I get friendly. Not in the I'll show you mine if you show me yours kind of way. Though that has happened. But more no, let's go shopping and do lunch kind of way. For some reason, alcohol made me want to be friends with people I normally avoided. Like my mother. And apparently Morgan. If I called him, I must have been drinking for at least a week. I had a vague notion of a cabbie taking me straight from the airport to a bar. And then nothing. Maybe I needed to lay off the Zacapa for a while. What day is it? I tried to lean out of the path of Cyrano's dripping nose. Friday? Wow, I'd been drinking for a week and a day, which explained my throbbing headache. Then he grinned and added, the 27th of April. Blast, make that one day. I'd arrived on the 26th. It really was time to lay off the Zacapa. I didn't want to wake up some day and find myself on a month-long European river cruise with my mother. How did we get a sailboat, I asked. Did I buy it? Another sometimes side effect of my drinking. It's Metface. Who? I know I'd never heard that name before. He's one of the lawyers on with show. On the show, Morgan said. You're staying at his house? though it looks like you slept on the boat last night. I flashed on a business card with fancy gold lettering. Oh, yeah, Metfay, something or other. He works for the production company that owns Gone Herpin, my twin brother's TV show. I'd needed to get out of town, and he'd had an empty house. I tried to picture the address written on the back of the card, which I hoped was still in my purse. And then I tried to picture my purse, or rather, its location. Lately, I'd had a problem keeping track of it. Are you staying at Metface too? I asked. Morgan's face lit up with a lopsided grin. Would you like that? No. I tried not to look at his abs. Life had been so much easier when he'd been my arch nemesis. I've got a room near Mallory Square. Oh, wait. Something about this didn't feel right. I leaned on my left elbow and pushed Cyrano's nose away with the other. I called you yesterday, before lunch. How did you get here so fast? We lived in the same little sleepy town in southern Arizona, and a last-minute flight had taken me 13 hours and three connections on two different airlines to reach the island. The jet, Morgan said. Yeah, that would do it. Thanks to the popularity of Dewey's TV show, the Roaring Soar Network had given him unlimited use of a fancy jet. Of course, it hadn't been available when I'd needed to get out of town. Is Dewey with you? 
I tried to look around Cyrano's nose, which was back in my face. Nah, he dropped me on the way. To where? He doesn't have anything scheduled, and I would know. I'm his assistant. I set his appearances. I set up his appearances, answer his fan mail, and run interference from his hardcore fans, the Doozers. Currently, Dewey's show was on a three-month hiatus, and when my brother wasn't at work, he was out hunting the snakes and other creepy crawlies that he talked about on the show. There was nothing else in his life. I couldn't imagine where he might have been going. Morgan shrugged. He didn't say. I didn't ask. I'd have to call Dewey when I got back to land. Are we done diving? I asked. I felt done. We're having too much fun, Morgan said, as he struggled into the oxygen-toting backpack. I'm having fun? I was pretty sure I wasn't. You are. You've been watching Cyrano. Really? I couldn't imagine how. It wasn't like I was in any shape to stop her if she decided to jump in after her daddy. I'm going to get in a couple more dives before the sun goes down. Don't sail the boat away. Right, I said. I didn't think I could, even if I'd wanted. I craned my neck to watch Morgan's green swim fins slap across the teak deck toward the back of the boat. There was a whirring noise, and a chunk of the back began to lower itself into the water. Huh, that was convenient, kind of like the tailgate on my pickup. I let my neck drop down into the pillowy, my pillowy hair and stared up through the poles and wires that normally held the sails. How many dives was a couple more? I lifted my sunglasses and then dropped them back right back into place. The fiery red ball was still pretty high in the sky, so a couple more dives probably meant a couple more hours which was actually a good thing. I could get in a hangover-reducing nap. There was a splash, and Cyrano let out a sad little greyhound roo, and a couple of no drops of nose juice splashed on my stomach, and then she poked me with her nose. So much for my recovery. I drew up my knees, grabbed the underside of my thighs, and ever so slowly rocked myself up into a sitting position, and got a better look at Morgan's greyhound. Some sort of orange foam thing covered her back, clipped under her chest, and featured a convenient carrying handle it on top. I couldn't imagine why someone would want to carry a greyhound around like a piece of luggage. Then I noticed a rope dangling from the handle. My eyes followed it down her side, onto the deck, and over to my foot, where the other end was tied around my right ankle. Blast! No wonder she'd stayed on the boat. Morgan was using me as a greyhound anchor. Cyrano rooed a couple more times, and I rubbed the soft, brindle-colored fur on her neck. It's okay, sweetie. Your selfish jerk of a daddy will be right back. She laid her long nose across my shoulder and purred. Not unlike a cat. Or a motorboat. Wait. I squinted past her at the ocean. It was a motorboat. Headed our way. Fast. It zoomed around to Morgan's diving spot, and I used Cerno's handle to pull myself to my feet, and kept holding on as the waves hit, rocking us from side to side. Down in the motorboat, three white guys who looked like they'd just stepped off the set of a hair-banging music video clung to the edges of a black tarp that covered a massive, bumpy shape in the center of the boat. Two of them leaped up onto the tailgate thingy that Morgan had dove from. One continued up onto the deck, while a third stayed in, still in the motorboat, ripped away the tarp, and tossed up a lumpy bed pillow wrapped in plastic. The guy on the tailgate caught it and tossed it to the guy on the deck. He dropped it by my feet and turned to grab the next one. Uh-oh. 
presents from random strangers were never good. The guy still on the motorboat waved a hand at me. You shouldn't let your dog sample the product. It could kill her. I followed his line of sight to Cyrano. She had that first pillow between her front paws, and her teeth were well into the process of tearing away one of the corners of the plastic. Hey! I snatched it away from her and was smacked in the face with an odor that could only be described as a family of skunks on holiday. I gagged and poked a finger in the hole. This was not good. I'd been around enough stinking on herp and crew members to know what was in the pillow. Last. Less than 48 hours in Key West, and I was a drug runner. Chapter 2 Don't panic. If they find out they've made a mistake, they'll probably shoot you. Stay quiet and let them finish. They'll go away. Motorboat guy propped his foot up on the tailgate thingy of my boat and motioned to his co-worker to take over the tossing duties. Did she eat any? He asked, bopping his head in Cerno's direction. Blast. I didn't want to talk to the guy. That wasn't going to make him go away. I tugged my little finger out of the hole and tried to ignore the musky odor while I examined the damage. No crunched up buds in or around the pinky-sized tear. Just torn plastic. I gave it a few shakes over an open palm. Nothing came loose. I don't think she got any, I said. I better fix the damage. Toss it here. I did. A motorboat guy ripped some duct tape off the tarp. Cyrano scrambled around me to keep her chew toy in sight. Maybe you should check your teeth, he said, just in case. Anything to get them to leave. I pulled Cyrano to one side of the guys piling illegal drugs on my sailboat and attempted to pry open her muzzle. She wasn't having any of that. Her mouth clamped shut. Her lips took on a life of their own, wiggling, compensating, and finally forcing my fingers away with a snort and a gust of hot ocean-scented breath. In the end, I never even saw her teeth. She's fine, I said. Probably. The hole had been tiny, and while the smells coming from her face were disgusting, they were typical for her. Chances were slim that she was going to OD. So, motorboat guy tossed the repaired pillow from one hand to the other, and Cyrano bounced on her front feet, ready for a game of fetch. Do you think you'll be around after this? I felt a breath catch in my throat. Did he mean alive? Was this some sort of challenge? Because maybe we could get a drink later. Oh, he was asking me out. Lucky me. I'm still recovering from too much fun yesterday, I said. I made an I could throw up thinking about Boo's face and patted my hair like I was comforting a hangover, which I was. As I sunk my fingers into sweaty strands, I felt a prick and a toothpick dropped onto the deck by my feet, followed by three more. Okay, that was weird. And I would have been more interested in how they'd gotten there if it hadn't been for the throbbing in my brain. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Whoop, whoop. Wait, was my pain getting louder? Coast Guard! Motorboat guy screamed. I followed his line of sight to the red and white boat headed our, our way. I was saved. The drug guys didn't share my enthusiasm. The two who'd been stacking scrambled to their boat. My would-be date hit the gas and they all zoomed away. Morgan's hound let out an angry woof. Motorboat guy still had her pillow and she took off at full speed. All I could do was look down in time to see the rope around my ankle go taut and my foot was yanked out from under me. My butt hit the deck, and my scream was full-pitched by the time I'd slid the length of the sailboat, bounced off the tailgate thingy, and hit the lukewarm Atlantic.
Going under, my howl became a gurgle as salty bubbles forced their way down my throat and set my lungs on fire. Thrashing my arms, I pushed my head above the water line and spit out a mouthful of ocean. Coughing and gasping, I caught sight of Cyrano's orange life vest and the toes of my right foot as they zipped along the surface of the water behind her. She was going after the motorboat and taking me along for the ride. I shouted out the first syllable of her name before she picked up another burst of speed and I was dragged back under. I was going to drown by Greyhound if I wasn't eaten by some sort of sea creature first. Twisting my body, I tried to fold myself in half, my hands sluggish in the thick water as I searched for my ankle. Last, where was it? I sit up, put my head back above water, my eyes searching for my foot. Instead of my toes, I caught sight of the sun, hurling itself at my face. Wait, was that a... Bonk. A floaty ring hit me square on the forehead and back under I went. I felt pressure around my waist. Something had me, and I was pushed up through the middle of the ring and gasped at the fresh, liquid-free air. Flashes of orange and red under the water brought back my screams as a monster broke through the waves. Horned head, giant bug eyes, black paws reaching out to lift the swim mask from a very human face. I wasn't being attacked by a sea creature. I was being rescued by a rather good-looking guy in a Coast Guard uniform. Chiseled features, rounded jaw, piercing black eyes. Korean, maybe. A hottie, definitely. Are you okay, he asked. I could only nod. Gulps of salt water and choppy waves from the boat were pushing my hangover into dangerous territory. Coast Guard hottie's mouth broke into a playful grin, and I was thankful I couldn't move my hands, or I would have stuck a finger in one of his adorable dimples. Not the best way to walk your dog. Dog? Hey, I wasn't tied to Cyrano anymore. I tried to look around for her, but I couldn't get my body to move, which was okay. Coast Guard hottie make for great scenery. Is Cyrano okay? She's good. He grasped the floaty ring and gently spun me to the left. And there was Morgan's hound in her orange life vest, still frantically swimming after the long-gone motorboat and her chew toy. The rope had been attached to my, that had been attached to my foot was now attached to a pole held by a sailor on the Coast Guard boat. Cyrano wasn't going anywhere. And then I was being spung, and there was, a, there was the gorgeous guy again. Since I felt a deep personal connection between us, I went for it. So, I asked, you think you'll be around after this? He gave me another playful grin. Are you asking me? And then it was like he lost his train of thought, and his head tipped to one side. Oh, my God, he said. Uh-oh. Good adventures! Ah, the slogan my brother said at the end of every episode of his show. You're June Nash! No, this was not happening. His mouth made a little O, and he rapidly patted my floaty thing for emphasis. Oh, my God, I love gone herpin. He twisted to look back at the sailboat. Is Dewey Nash with you? Blast, the doozers were everywhere. The best commentary on this situation was to give in to my stomach's request, and I puked. All over poor Coast Guard hottie. I'd like to say that I remembered about Morgan after they'd gotten me and the hound into the rescue boat, but I was a tad distracted. Seriously, how was I recognized in the Atlantic Ocean, soaking wet and half-drowned? Thankfully, Morgan had put a floaty, hey, I'm diving here, flag in the water. Somebody had fished him out. I wanted to make sure he knew it wasn't my fault that Cyrano had been a few bites away from death by pot, but the lady in charge of the boat kept me busy with questions that I couldn't answer, like, have you got any ID? 
standing there in my teeny tiny bikini and then later an extra long t-shirt that hit the top of my thighs, I just shrugged. I had no idea where my purse was. Probably still on the sailboat, which was now gone. While they'd been fetching Morgan, another boat had shown up and taken it away. I'd heard the words evidence and impound, and we were back in Key West pulling up to the dock. Coast Guard Hottie gave Morgan and Cyrano a ride to the vet, and I ended up in a bland little meet-and-greet-style room all alone. Desk, chair behind it, chair in front of it, couch, coffee cart with a half-pot of inky-looking stuff in it. I sat in the visitor's chair, thought about stretching out on the couch. My hangover was really itching for a nap. I was trying to decide if the stains were enough of a deterrent when a black woman stepped in. She was decked out in blue camo and looked as tired as I felt. She tossed her hat on the desk and ran her fingers through her short, natural hair. I'm Ensign Dyer, she said as she sank into the I'm-in-charge chair and tipped a duffel bag over the desk. My purse fell out. You found it! I unzipped my hobo bag and dug out my wallet. See, I'm June. The slot that normally held my driver's license was empty. So was the spot for my credit card. A few of my favorite words might have slipped out of my mouth. They had to be somewhere. I'd flown. I would have had to show my ID to security and my credit card to bartenders in overpriced airport bars. I shook the contents of my bag out all over her desk and began tossing things back in. Hairbrush, pack of hairbands, flip-flops that went directly onto my bare feet, headbands, a hat stuffed inside another hat, a plastic lobster tail key ring full of keys that I'd never seen before that opened who knows what, and a cardboard receipt of some sort. My captor chuckled. You flew on Aeolus. How did you know? That's an IOU for your luggage. Blast. I dropped it in my purse and continued the search. Four mostly crushed carb bars, a half-eaten pickle in a plastic bag, a cell phone charger cable, two lip balms, a giant purple paper clip, my iPhone in its ruby red case, and a half dozen burner cells. A few weeks ago, there'd been life and death issues, all because I hadn't been able to make a phone call, something I never wanted to go through again, ever. I leaned back in the chair and shrugged at the lady. We didn't find your ID either. You went through my purse? You were on a boat full of drugs, so yes. She went over to the little cart and tipped the pot over a mug. Hey, they just showed up, I said. I didn't ask them to start tossing their stuff on my boat. I mouthed no to the cup she offered. I think they thought it was someone else. She stared at me over her coffee. Uh-oh. I would never buy drugs, I said. I dug through the cell phones at the bottom of my purse looking for mine. You can talk to Warren. My mom had been in some sort of a relationship with Warren Mitchell, the sheriff of our hometown, for about 20 years. He was almost a surrogate. Wait. If the Coast Guard lady called Warren, it was bound to get back to Mom, and I was never going to hear the end of how I was the reason that Western civilization as we know it was about to collapse. Better to go to jail. Who's Warren, she asked. This is really a case of mistaken identity. Another long stare, and she nodded. That does seem to be the case. She sat back down and took a sip of her coffee. And then another. It must have tasted better than it looked. So did you catch those guys, I asked? Because they gave me drugs that I gave to you. What if they come looking for me? The thing about drug runners, 
She leaned back in her chair for another sip and seemed to forget, to forget about me. The thing, I asked, if it involves somebody getting even with me, I really want to know about it. Yeah, the thing is that they use a lot of disposable foot soldiers. She propped her ankles up on a corner of the desk and yawned into her sleeve. My mouth felt compelled to join in, so I stood up. Can I go? I really needed to get some sleep. I did have a couple questions about all the cell phones in your purse. And sat back down and started blathering about Mexican gangs and tacos. She held up a hand, which were all answered to my satisfaction. I wanted to ask by whom, but I knew better than to open my mouth. If the person with the questions was ready to let you go, you went. Can I keep this shirt? I asked. I wasn't interested in wandering Key West in my teeny tiny bikini. Consider it the Coast Guard's thanks for your participation in the recovery of illegal drugs. Cool. Being a hero had its perks. Can I get a ride? Another yawn. Sorry, I can't spare anyone. So much for my hero status. Back outside the gate to the facility, I dug a gold-lettered business card from my wallet. Metfe Utkin Enterprises, Key West, Madrid, Odessa. My host, who I hoped was absent. I flipped the card over. One nickel key, wherever that was. I squinted at the map that had been my parting gift. All it did was make my hangover worse. I was in no shape to wander, and I couldn't call a taxi. That left one option. I got out my phone and dialed Morgan. If the hound was doing okay, he'd be in a good mood and I'd get a ride. My purse began to vibrate and I peeked inside. One of the phones at the bottom of my bag was dancing around and I could see my caller ID on the screen. Blast. I had Morgan's phone. Miss Nash, get in. I looked up at the baby blue sedan idling in the street beside me. Okay, things had just gotten worse. The man behind the wheel was an unwelcome blast from my past, crotch guy. Chapter 3 That wasn't his real name, of course. A couple of weeks ago, Morgan and I had accidentally ended up in the middle of his undercover operation in Mexico. Crotch guy, whom I nicknamed after he offered me an inspection of his merchandise, while he was still undercover playing the part of a bad guy, was with some three-lettered government agency maybe American, maybe Mexican. Even after it was all over, I hadn't been completely sure. He'd never properly introduced himself. Since I couldn't call him Crotch Guy, I tried a workaround. How do I know it's really you? Show me your badge. Wait, would his name be on that? Show me your ID. He took a moment to frown at my hair, and I might have run a hand over it, mentally wishing it was a few miles flatter. And then he scratched up his eyebrows. Get in the car. Why? I want you to look at some photos. If we'd been back in Horseshoe Bend, I'd have told him to buzz off, and not necessarily in those words. While I was still on a no-cursing kick, I did save my personal favorites for special occasions, so I said a few under my breath. And then, sure, for a ride to Duval Street. Tourist Central was probably my best option for finding Morgan and or my driver's license. Crotch Guy grumbled something under his breath and I got in and clicked on my seatbelt. As we eased past the biggest iguana I'd ever seen, Crotch Guy glanced over at me. What are you doing in Key West? I could ask you the same thing, I said. No, you couldn't. He hit the brakes and waited while a dozen or so little chickens chased their mom across the road.
Were you the one who told the Coast Guard to let me go? I asked. He ignored my question and hit the gas, accelerating to the intersection just as the light turned red. A couple in the street jumped out of our way as we roared around the corner. A few turns and eight iguana sightings later, we hit the palm tree line tourist drag and saw a lot more chickens, just wandering the sidewalks past lots of tacky t-shirt shops, patio bars, and crowds that were oblivious to the usefulness of sidewalks. Crotch got cursed under his breath every time he had to break for someone casually strolling in front of us. He stuck his head out his window. This is a city, not an amusement park. He returned a few rude gestures and pulled onto a residential street and parked in front of the first driveway we hit. Letting the engine idle, he lifted a thigh and yanked a folder out from under his butt and waved it in my direction. The photos. Ew, why am I looking at these? You owe me, he said. For what? He jabbed a finger at his left leg. I got two more weeks in this thing. I leaned over to look at the walking cast. I'd broken his foot in Mexico. I guess I did owe him. Fine. He held out the folder, but I kept my hands to myself. No way I was touching it. He watched me for a moment, and a look of disgust settled on his face. Back at you, buddy. Crotch Guy set the folder on the console between us, opened it, and spread out the first two sheets. They were wanted posters. I'd seen quite a few in my time. Mom had been coffee buddies with Sheriff Warren Mitchell now for 20 years, and in that time, Dewey and I had spent plenty of afternoons over at the jail waiting for Mom to finish his shift in the ER. She claimed she hadn't wanted to turn us into latchkey kids. I figured she hadn't wanted to pay anybody to watch us. Do you recognize either man? I scanned the sheets. No. Is this about the guys on the motorboat, I asked, because they were young and white. These guys were Latino and well into their 40s. Crutch guy ignored my question and replaced the photo with two more. Are you undercover on a case? I mean, what should I call you if we run into each other again? We won't, he tapped one of the stacks. I scanned and shook my head. This continued until we reached the last set. And when I said no to those, Crotch Guy lifted his thigh and shoved the folder back under his butt. Then he shifted the car into gear and looked over at me. You can go now. With pleasure. I got out and the sedan zoomed away, honking at another couple as they scrambled to the safety of the sidewalk. If Crotch Guy was trying to keep a low profile, he was doing a crappy job of it. Now that I was actually on the main drag, the whole idea of running into Morgan seemed nuts. Everybody in the world was on the island tonight. Well, not everybody, just the happy drunk people and a bunch who were dressed as pirates. Also incredibly happy. After the fifth high-five from a guy in eyeliner, I stepped back into the shadows of a cigar stand. Maybe it was better to just look for my credit card and ID. We were on an island. How many bars could there be? I glanced left, and then right, and counted six with an eyesight. Last. I stepped around to the front of the stall. How many places are there in Key West that sell booze? The girl in charge of the cigars squished up her mouth, eyed my hair for a moment, and then shrugged. Gee, I want to say like 300. That could take a while. I found one of the hats in my bag without looking and tugged it on. Are you kidding? Her look said she wasn't. I glanced down at my phone. Five of five. It was going to get dark, eventually. Maybe the better idea was to find Medfay's house, put up my feet, 
and call bars to check for my card. Morgan knew where I was staying. If he needed me, he'd come find me. Do you know where one nickel key is? I asked Cigar Girl. Other side of the island. So is it close enough that you'd walk? She shrugged. I have a bike. Which didn't help me at all. Unless she was a doozer. Do you watch Gone Herpin? I'd traded eight by ten glossies of my famous brother for things in the past. There's a line behind you, so if you don't want a cigar... She didn't say go away, but it was implied. She obviously wasn't a fan. Which was okay, since I didn't have any photos on me anyway. I stepped to one side and watched a couple pick out their smokes. The lady dug a bulky man's wallet from the bottom of her purse and looked over at the guy beside her. You're out of cash. Which card should I use? I felt a pang of nostalgia for my brother Dewey. He was always getting me to hold his stuff. Wallet, organizer, comb, lizard. If ever a guy needed a purse, it was... Wait. Men were all the same. If I was holding Morgan's phone, I probably had his wallet too. I dropped to a knee to poke around in my bag and found it inside the other hat. I chuckled at his driver's license photo and then liberated a few twenties. My fee for spending the afternoon as a greyhound anchor and gadget locker. I did a quick check of the street and headed to my right. I'd need a few things before I went out to Metface Place, and I wanted to find a shop selling more than just tacky t-shirts. Bar, art gallery, cigar stand, tacky t-shirts, another cigar stand, another bar, another wait. I backed up a few steps for a better look at the three drag queens wowing a crowd in front of a packed bar. One looked a whole lot like a pineapple. Another, like she'd just stepped off the cover of a 1960s soul album, and the third was a Korean Marilyn Monroe in a sequin-covered short red dress. There was something familiar. Wait, I knew those eyes. Marilyn threw her arms up in the air. It's Dewey's sister. Huh? Coast Guard hottie was a drag queen. If you're here for the show, you're going to need to march yourself right back to your hotel room and change into something that says sex appeal and not. Huddy's eyes gave my body a displeased once-over. Preteen at the pool. The airline lost my luggage. Eulis? The pineapple queen asked. Yeah, I said, but I was staring at Huddy. She was so sparkly. And a drag queen. She was just as sexy in a dress as she'd been in the water rescue gear. If I could find Morgan, I could probably borrow something. We were surprisingly similar in size, despite the fact that he was taller than me. And a guy. Like, hottie. Blast. Despite the dress, I still wanted to see him naked. Were drag queens gay? It was probably impolite to ask, at least around a crowd. And then I realized they were all staring at me. Had someone asked me a question? Hottie took my hand. You are losing it, girl. Come on. She dragged me through the front door. Hey, there was Morgan at the bar. I didn't get a chance to call out to him because Hottie was weaving me through the crowd toward a staircase at the back, and I couldn't take my eyes off her toned legs. Blast! I'd never looked that good in a dress. Being attracted to someone and envying their outfit at the same time was throwing me off just a bit. You should seriously call Dewey, Hottie said. He could do a hell of a show down here. We've got chickens and iguanas and feral cats and gigantic tarpon and... Huddy kept throwing out show ideas as she led me up two flights of stairs. When we hit the third floor, I got a brief view of a stage surrounded by tables 
and then I was veered down a dark and narrow hall and through a door. A light flipped on. It was a dressing room. Makeup stations lined the left wall and racks of sparkly dresses the right. Hottie led me to a ratty-looking sofa under the window and rolled a rack over. I like the yellow one. Morgan had followed us up, a drink in one hand, a bowl of popcorn in the other. He plopped down to my right and Cyrano snagged the spot on my left. She flipped onto her side and stretched out across me until her head was on Morgan's knee. He set the popcorn bowl on her back and her nose didn't even twitch. She looked tired, but okay. He bumped my shoulder with his. She's fine. I bumped him back. Despite her trying to drown me earlier, I liked the hound. Not too long ago, she'd even saved my life. Over at the rack, Hottie held up a blue dress. There were a lot of rhinestones, but not much fabric. This is June's color. I squinted. There were a lot of rhinestones. Hottie gathered a few accessories and added them to the hanger and looked down at my feet. Nines? They were. We've got nothing that small in here, she waved a finger at Morgan. I'm going to send you down to Vignettes. Take everything with you so you can find a match. Hattie rummaged through a closet I hadn't noticed and found a garment bag, and then she waved that same finger at me. You get in a little cat nap before the 10.30 show. Morgan wheeled out from under Cyrano. Hey, I've got your wallet, I called after him. It's okay. He spun around to grin at me. I've got your credit card. Of course he did. He paused at the door, his finger on the light switch. I bobbed my shoulders. Turn it off, I guess. It didn't matter. I was horribly uncomfortable. The couch was springy, the dog was bony, and I was never going to fall asleep. When I woke up, I was alone. Cyrano? I pushed myself to my feet and felt the floor vibrating. The drag show was obviously in full swing. Huddy and Morgan must have decided that I needed sleep, which I had. I stretched. Hey, my headache was gone. I licked my lips. I was parched and two fingers of Zacapa sounded good. Hopefully the bar stocked it. 18-year-old would be good, 23-year-old better. I unzipped the garment bag and took everything out. The dress was really sparkly. Over by the windowsill, by my purse, there was a shoebox and a note. You wouldn't wake up. But if you do, Jay thinks these will work. See you downstairs. If not, We'll catch the show tomorrow night. Morgan. Who was Jay? P.S. Jay is the Coast Guard guy in drag. Ah, hottie. P.P.S. I know you'll hate the shoes, but they'll look great. Don't wear your flip-flops. Blast. I couldn't find my flip-flops, so I checked out the shoes. Morgan had picked out a sparkly ice-blue high heel with an open toe. They were nice and really high. I was going to kill myself in them. Once I made it to a bar stool, they were coming off. I pulled the blinds and peeled off the Coast Guard t-shirt. A piece of paper crumpled past my face. I turned the shirt right side out to read the note that had been pinned to it. We want our cash. You want your dog. Don't call the cops. 327 and a half Bayberry Street, 11 p.m. Come alone. Blast. It wasn't over after all. And that's it. The book is out May 10th, 2020. So you can pre-order it now and you still have time to read the first book in the series and to read the prequel. I'll have links in the show notes. Uh, if you're on the podcast, 
go down to the show notes and it's like the first line that says to comment, click here and make sure you click on that one. And if you're on YouTube, you know what to do. And I will see you next week. Oh, oh, and I'm also on um, Instagram. I know what I'm doing. It's been a long day. I'm also on Instagram, books underscore cubed. Okay, I think that's everything. I'm gonna go take a nap. Uh, I will see you next week. Have another great show. And in the meantime, go read a good book.